and welcome back to D Cup, the Disney Channel unoriginal podcast. I'm Megan. And I'm Sabrina. Each week, we rewatch a Disney Channel original movie and discuss the good, the bad, and the cringy in an attempt to create the ultimate DCOM ranking. This week, we're discussing a Disney Channel Halloween somewhat forgotten favorite, the 2000 film Phantom of the Megaplex. Megan, hit us with that summary. 17-year-old Pete Riley is working at his local cinema on the night of a special movie premiere when he finds some eerie hijinks occurring in the theater. Together with his siblings, he must work to find the culprit behind these strange occurrences. So, Sabrina, this was your pick. Uh, we asked, like, Yeah, we, you know, for all the spooky movies that we're doing this month, you picked this movie. So I want you to speak more on that. Well, I actually have no specific memory of this movie. Uh, the, <laughs> o- the only memory I have is seeing it in the TV guide. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. And I've heard the name of it so many times. Like, it's a recognizable name, but I don't remember it at all. So I was excited to actually watch it. I know I've seen it before. Yeah. So I was excited to watch it again, specifically because I couldn't remember any specifics. Yeah. So this movie was written by Stu Krieger, who has written um, a lot of other DCOMs, such as all three Xenon movies. Killer. Smart House, Gotta Kick It Up, and Cowbells. Those are all iconic, honestly. Yeah, they're all really good ones. Also, he has written one of like the most pivotal childhood movies ever. I'm excited to hear your reaction to this. He wrote the screenplay for The Land Before Time. Shut up. Yeah. The first one. They've made like 16 of them. Right. right. But But the OG. Yeah. Land Before Time. He wrote the screenplay for it. Two other guys are accredited for like writing the story, but he wrote the screenplay for the original Land Before Time. I loved that movie. It's sad. (laughs) It is very sad, but it's so good. It is impeccable. A very good one. Yeah. And the movie was directed by Blair True. And I couldn't find a whole lot of other directing credits. However, Mr. Blair True directed several episodes of Power Rangers. Oh, okay. Like three different generations of Power Rangers. He directed like multiple episodes on three different seasons or three different shows of Power Rangers. So he was like committed to Power Rangers. Yeah, he was nice. a big Power Ranger dude. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I think my first time. Because we both don't have like memories of it um, mm-hmm. and it's your first time. Let's do first impression. Okay, like first impression before watching it? Yeah, or... you can give like the first impression of like what you thought right before going into the movie. Yeah, so, okay, so I've never seen it, but I definitely have heard about it. It just wasn't one that they really showed on Disney Channel a lot. Like mm-hmm. past, you know, 2004, I want to say. It wasn't really like in the lineup. Um, also... <laughs> I like I said, I've heard this film before. I'm aware of its cultural impact. But um this was the first time I'd ever realized that it was a play on Phantom of the Opera. Yeah. <laughs> and that's stupid of me. But yeah, so that that was a fun realization for me to be like, oh, face palm. Can't believe I didn't catch that. <laughs> yeah, I I knew that like the whole Phantom of the Opera kind of theme and like storyline was in there. Um, But what I was really interested in going into it was seeing why it's kind of like gone into the Disney oblivion um, Mm -hmm. and how it's kind of been, like we said, like somewhat forgotten, but it's such a recognizable name. Yeah. And so I was excited to go in and see if there was a like specific reason why it didn't last as long as like Halloween town did. Um, Mm. or if it's like a forgotten gem. Yeah. You know, um, 
this is embarrassing for me <laughs> to admit. Um, and this is all it's almost as embarrassing as not realizing it was a play on phantom of the opera i didn't know that phantom of the opera was a book and a movie before the musical and this movie taught me that i never i thought that it was like an andrew lloyd weber original idea (laughs) No, it was uh, a 1925 black and white silent film. Yeah, but that was based off a book. Exactly. Yeah. Early days. Yeah, I didn't know that. And I'm kind of not as impressed with Andrew Lloyd Webber anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Not original. (laughs) No. Wow. No, I'm kidding. Great reverence for that man. The creator of Cats. (laughs) Great. Oh. also, I know uh, I know that Cats isn't Disney affiliated, but can we review the Cats movie sometime? <laughs> I haven't even seen it because it looks like a fever dream, but yes. <laughs> I saw it in theaters. It was it was great. <laughs> but I do have to say, the Andrew Lloyd Webber musical Phantom of the Opera is incredible. Phenomenal. So, great musical. And it brought it to the mainstream. Yeah. So, which I'm surprised that like this movie exclusively referenced the Phantom of the Opera 1920s black and white movie and not the musical at all, because this was made in 2000. Phantom of the Opera came out in the 80s. Like, I'm just I'm surprised that it had no reference to it at all. I think the reason they chose the film was because this movie had so much about being passionate about movies. And yeah, you're right. that was such a big theme in this that if they had chosen the musical, it would be completely different because with movie Mason and then the younger siblings constantly referencing movies, I think choosing the original film was the best choice to do. Yeah, you're right. You know, speaking of movie Mason, Mickey Rooney is in this movie. Incredible. What? <laughs> what? I esteemed film star Mickey Rooney. I know my jaw dropped when I saw him on screen. <laughs> I well, I didn't know he was in it, and I saw his name in the beginning, and I was like, what? And he's in it a lot. Also, yeah. he's very cute. He is adorable in this movie. An adorable man. I he, loved his character. Yeah. He uh he kind of like shifts between being the cutest man I've ever seen and the scary, the creepiest man I've ever seen. <laughs> like there are some moments where I'm like, oh, but then he's so cute. There's there's a moment in the movie where I think one of the younger siblings uh compares him to the original Phantom in the 1925 movie, and I'm like, that's rude. <laughs> that is rude as hell. That's so rude. <laughs> <laughs> and they I looked at the poster and it was like the ugly picture. And yeah. they're like, um, look at this. They're like, he kind of looks like the Phantom. And I was like, this man is a cute little old man. What are you talking about? And they were like, Mickey Rooney is ugly. <laughs> He's not. But He's honestly, cute. they brought the magic of Disney through Movie Mason. Yeah. And I. Sure. I loved his little bits throughout the movie. Absolutely. Also, I think it's important that we discuss the ageism against movie Mason at the hands of Sean. I was furious. He is just being so mean to this old man for no reason. Sean was just an ass from the get. He was awful. (laughs) And and I get it. Like, they have to have a villain character. Yeah. But I was like, there is so much unnecessary hatred towards yeah. a lot of people from Sean that I was like, this, is, this isn't needed at all. Like, Sean is like a jerk to children and old people. Right. And Movie Mason's just trying to help. All he wants to do is work there. And like... You're denying employees in this economy? (laughs) Honestly, when he, when Movie Mason handed Sean his schedule and Sean threw it out in front of his face, my heart broke. I was ready to fight. (laughs) 
I was like, you don't need to do that. You take it into your office and then you throw it away if you want to be that person. But not in front of this poor old man's face. All he wanted to do was wear a bow tie and rip tickets. Justice for Movie Mason. That's all I have to say. Movie Mason. Get it trending. (laughs) Justice for Movie Mason. Hashtag (laughs) it. Okay. Now that we've joked around a little bit. Okay, starting from the get, I loved the opening. I loved the voiceover intro giving the background of the theater and then introducing all of the characters through Pete's point of view. It was very 90s. It was. It was. But I enjoyed it. I I liked that way of getting us into the story. Mm -hmm. Because you feel like you knew everything when they actually started yeah, I liked it. I think I would have liked it a little bit more if they had kind of kept up that voice. I don't know if they, uh, you know, because like they abandoned the whole voiceover, his thoughts right after the exposition. So That's I don't true. know. I don't know if I wanted it to be more like Emperor's New Groove where we kind of get that a little more. But like, it, it was fun. I thought it was a fun way to see all of the people. Yeah, I think it with the introducing of the characters and getting like all of their names and stuff, you had all the information you needed to get into this story and be like, okay, we don't need to learn about them as the story goes on. Like we, they're already established, which I liked. Yeah. Jumping off of that and like him introducing the characters. I think this is probably my favorite thing about the movie is I think that they nailed the part-time job work environment. Mm-hmm. In that, like, they had all of these really quirky coworker stock characters, you know? Yeah. Like, every, I don't know about you, but, like, every job that I have worked, it doesn't seem like you have, like, regular people coworkers. Every one of your coworkers has, like, a very character thing about them, you know? Where, like, you could go into any job and point and be like, You are the main character. You're the romantic lead. You're uh, the one who's a little too anal retentive about things. And like you can look at any job you've had and pick out these funny characters. And I thought that was so clever. Like you don't, I haven't seen that done very, like I've seen it done before, but I don't think I've seen it done elevated to this degree to where it's very funny. I also really liked the whole we have a ghost thing because I think most places that you've worked or companies you've been a part of, if something goes wrong, you're like, oh, it's the ghost. Like in high school, if something went wrong, we were like, oh, we're going to blame it on Tom, the ghost. Or in college, uh, Sabrina and I went to college together. If like the lights flickered in one of the theaters, we were like, oh, it's Antoinette. (laughs) So I thought that they just they nailed the work environment so well. I also feel like part time jobs like that, especially when you're in high school, And even into like college, there's just this like kind of chaotic absurdism. Yeah. (laughs) And and that's like very real. That's very real in any sort of like part-time retail sales, like food industry. Like it's just there. All the weird people come out (laughs) and they're (laughs) all weird in in like a bad way. No, just like just like quirky and different and interesting. Like people all come out and they all kind of form in one place and then you walk into this environment full of just like absurd kind of crazy situations like funny quirky people and I loved that energy in this movie yeah I mean I think that's why you know most sitcoms are set in workplaces you know yeah yeah Yeah, but I I loved seeing that in a kid's movie and it was just so fun I loved any time any of the co-workers were on screen I also loved how passionate all of the workers were. Like yeah. every, everyone was so passionate about their job and like making sure everything went right. And like each kind of side character had their specific thing that they focused on or that they were, you know, very passionate about. So the one guy was like passionate about the rules and <laughs> the other girl was like, I know it was so funny. He <laughs> was like, but the policy. <laughs> he was like, we're going to get a hernia. <laughs> But, like, that passion, like, made me really engage with 
yeah. these characters and made me like step in and be like, yes, okay, I, I want to watch them. I want to see what happens with them specifically. Yeah. 100%. 100%. Also, uh, while we're talking about characters we liked, I loved Brian. Yes. <laughs> the little brother. The little brother was so funny. <laughs> he was he was really enjoyable to watch. He was so funny and I loved him a lot. <laughs> there was a moment where he was like talking to Pete about the Phantom and like trying to figure out it's a very beginning of them trying to figure out who the phantom is and he just goes sabotage (laughs) (laughs) and i died yes (laughs) and then he i think it was right after that he goes out to go back to his movie or something and he hears a voice in the hallway and then he's like ready to fight the phantom he goes (laughs) Hi-ya! <laughs> it was so good. It was so funny. I was like, this little yellow belt in karate is about <laughs> to take down the Phantom of the Megaplex. Exactly. It was so good. I loved his character. I honestly loved the whole family dynamic. I think it was really well done in this movie. Hmm. Do you, oh, you disagree. <laughs> I thought the siblings were good. Yeah, and I didn't like the mom. I think I think the mom at the beginning with the siblings. And I loved I loved how her kids were like so invested in her relationship and like just wanted to, her to be that happy. I did like that. I thought that was really cute. I think the sibling dynamic was great in this movie. Yeah, it was pretty airtight. Yeah, I'm not as big of a fan of the mom and her like love story we will get to um, that <laughs> but but this the three main siblings yeah i loved their dynamic it was very accurate very real yeah and i liked them except for their little moment on the roof before they get tied up that was a little bit yeah <laughs> corny but the rest of the movie i thought that i believed that they were siblings yeah and i honestly with the siblings specifically, I think the acting was pretty good. Yeah. Like, honestly, for, I I was not expecting it to be as good as it was, mm-hmm. but I, it was very believable. Yeah. Especially for like, you know, the genre that we're in. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and I think they really carried this. Like, if you didn't have those three together, I don't think the movie could have been what it was. Um, because I think they helped carry a lot of this movie. Mm-hmm. This is out of nowhere, but I loved Pete's car. <laughs> Do you remember his car? He was yeah. driving like a white convertible bug. <laughs> he no rolled way. up in that, and I was like, "Wow!" I it a wasn't choice. the car. It wasn't the car that you expected him to be driving. <laughs> yeah, but, but honestly, I liked it a lot. When you're in high school, you just take like any car you can get. So like yeah, it and totally that was, makes sense. That was probably his grandma's car. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, another thing that I loved was the shadow fight. <gasps> I loved the shadow fight. It was sick. I was it like, was, this was, was such was a cool rad. way. It yeah. was rad. I it was, loved it. It was such a cool way of doing it. And it was interesting and different. Like yeah. I... I don't think I've seen that in very many movies, no. but I I love utilizing like shadows and because they have movie screens, yeah, it the was silhouette. the perfect way of doing it. Yeah, it was so cool. Another scene that I really liked uh, was the water balloon scene. I got excited. <laughs> I was like, I didn't see it coming. I probably should have, but yeah. I didn't see it coming. Like they have all the balloons up there and she pulls it and they were like, no. And I was like, oh, they're, she's just releasing the balloons too early. And then they were filled with water. I was so excited. I was like, yes, water balloons. I felt the same way. I had no idea what was happening. I was like, yeah. whoa, okay. This was like the one unexpected thing. It was that so cool. <laughs> I was so excited about. The water balloons uh, were more unexpected than the reveal of the Phantom. <laughs> yeah, honestly. <laughs> Very true. Uh, another, I have two other scenes that I really liked. Um, so the hockey stick scene, 
It was ridiculous. It was so, so ridiculous. ridiculous. For those of you who didn't rewatch the film, there's a scene where a bunch of gumballs like come out of a gumball machine and it's it's flooded the theater. People are falling in very dramatic ways. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, a little too they put a little too much sauce on those falls. But uh but Pete comes out and he's like I got to clean up all these gumballs. So he knocks over a trash can that's empty and he takes a hockey stick from a display and he starts hitting them into the trash can like their goals and people are cheering him on but it's the most inefficient way to clean up that mess and he really doesn't clean up the mess at all but I loved it because of how ridiculous it was and I think if I had watched this as a kid I would have been so into that scene yeah and I my first thing was like, this isn't helping. This no, is making it worse. But yeah. I also was like, why was there a real hockey stick in this cardboard cutout display? Like, I believed it because there was a lot more whimsy in movie advertisements back in the day. Okay, I'll, I'll take that. But I was just like, this, this whole scene is so absurd, but it's so fun that it you fun. can't help but like get into it. Yeah. For sure. And then there is a shot that I cackled. I howled laughing at this shot. And it's where Mickey Rooney's character is getting kicked out of the Megaplex by Sean. And he's going down the escalator. And he he turns around and you see him going down the escalator while he's monologuing. And then he like walks back up the escalator. And it's one of the funniest shots I've ever seen in my entire life where we just see short 5-2 Mickey Rooney going down this escalator until he disappears. It was so funny. It was an incredible shot. It was so good. It was... (laughs) I I have one more thing that I want to bring up. Oh, go um, for it. I love how Sean's life got ruined in the first <laughs> 10 minutes of this movie. <laughs> like, absolutely ruined. <laughs> Speak more on that. And, <laughs> like, well, he, so he was just being a tyrant to these young children (laughs) and then he gets the call that he like gets fired pretty much after the premiere like he's gonna run the premiere and then he's fired and just watching him (laughs) go from i'm the boss and like i know better than everyone to getting fired was one of my favorite things and it happened within like a five minute time span (laughs) it you can see the moment where he has his Joker origin story because his face twitches. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, in that moment, he's like, it's all over. I'm a villain now. Exactly. Like, you you know from then, he will never be the same. <laughs> it's so funny. I'm sorry, you saying <laughs> you loved seeing his life get ruined it really <laughs> took me out. <laughs> but that's exactly what happened. <laughs> but I don't know, just the way you said that, that was really funny. <laughs> okay, now I know you have your opinions and I surely have my opinions. Um I so I want to move on to what we disliked about this movie. Okay, I'm trying to figure out where to start. <laughs> oh good. <laughs> because um I want to preface this as saying I had a lot of fun watching this movie Um, and all of my dislikes, they, I don't think any of them ruin the movie. I think it makes me have an affection for the movie in the same way that I have an affection for the Sharknado movies. Mm -hmm. Um, For people who don't know this about me, I love the Sharknado franchise, all six movies. Um, And I love them because they're like, bad movies that are so bad they're good and that's this movie isn't like really bad but it's i don't know it's the same kind of affection i have i have a very similar thing with like really bad cheesy rom-coms yeah yeah that's kind of how i feel about this is like cheesy it has cheesy rom-com energy without being a romantic movie um i guess i'll start with like because i hadn't seen this movie before i didn't know what to expect going into it And I felt like the stakes really weren't there at all. Like, there was never a moment where I was really scared. I wasn't even concerned 
<laughs> at any point. <laughs> because Yikes. it didn't feel like it didn't feel like anyone was in imminent danger. I'm gonna be honest, I kept waiting for someone to die. And I well, I know that they wouldn't have killed anybody, but I think it would have been better if people died. Okay, so here's the thing. <laughs> Do I kind of agree? Yes. Um, but here, here's what really got me. So, like, the Phantom, quote-unquote Phantom, um, yeah. in the original movie, you know, like, he, there's murder. Um, yeah. And he, like, wreaks havoc on this theater. And in this one, the he's phantom just, is just kind of a troublemaker. Like he's, he's mildly inconveniencing everyone. <laughs> right. And it's like he's just pulling some pranks. Like that's that's really all it is. He is. Which is why at the end when that guy was like, I should have you arrested. And I was like, for what charges? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And also, oh, you know what? I'll just bring this up now while we're on it. He also got a movie deal at the end of it. <laughs> he did. <laughs> and I was like, hold on. Why did he get a movie deal after ruining this director's premiere? Yeah. I, don't, I mean, I guess because he was like, this is ridiculous and hilarious. Like, the again, going back to the stakes, the big, like, the biggest thing of the night was just Attack of the Giant Balloons. Right. <laughs> Which I loved how everyone reacted to those. They thought that their lives were in danger. I know. They thought they were, like, going to die. But that's another dislike point that I have. Um, The background actors were so dramatic. Too much. These movie patrons did not know how to behave themselves. (laughs) That's so true. There were adults throwing popcorn at teenagers who were just trying to do their job. And calling, like, teenagers names and just being, like, straight up rude to these teenagers' faces. I know that we've established that, like, the general public of our country is not nice to, like, minimum wage workers. But this took that too far. (laughs) That's so true. And I just, I couldn't get on board with, because I feel like they were trying to make it more scary by their reactions. Yeah, they're trying but to not by stakes. right, but not by what was actually happening. Like yeah. they weren't raising the stakes by the events; they were raising the stakes by the actors' reactions to the small events that were happening. Yeah, and it just didn't work. And so, like, I personally don't see this as like a Halloween movie. I see it as like a very loosely based like Halloween movie. Yeah, I didn't get Halloween vibes from it. <laughs> right, because it's not. Scary. And no, and the, to speak on the crowds, they I kept waiting for someone to pull like tomatoes out and throw them because that's how they were acting. They were acting yeah. like like they were in the 1700s at a play. <laughs> yeah, it was ridiculous. I mean, like mobs. They formed mobs. mobs. They they should have had torches and pitchforks. <laughs> Honestly. But I, yeah, that took me out of it a lot, was just the way people were yeah. reacting. And now I don't doubt that, and I've seen it, I don't doubt that there are people out in the world who react that way. Uh huh. I've seen it. I've been in that situation. We've all seen it. But everyone reacting yeah. that way, <laughs> like everyone, no one, no one a stuck whole up theater for of Karens, I don't buy it. <laughs> exactly that would be a very unfortunate day if that existed. that's the real that's the real horror <laughs> exactly um, um going back to the uh like the hijinks yeah uh they kind of came out of nowhere like i don't think that there was any sort of foreshadowing or lead up at all it was just kind of like suddenly everything is going wrong i would have liked more if we had seen some like some creepy things happening. I think we hear like one spooky laugh <laughs> before yeah. everything goes wrong. But like, I would have liked to see some more mystery leading up to things start going wrong. Maybe some little things like, oh, this is something that like went wrong. Oh, I can't find my favorite pen. I don't know. That's lame, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> um, but there was just, there was no foreshadowing. There was no building up to everything going into chaos. 
Yeah, it seemed very abrupt when the Phantom came in. Um, And honestly, that wasn't the only abrupt thing that there was because the transitions were abrupt. (gasps) The the music had some abrupt pauses and endings. um, And it took me so far out of it. I literally had to pause the movie at one point and be like, hold on. (laughs) The the transitions gave me whiplash. (laughs) Honestly, I was like, this is the craziest kind of transition I've ever seen in a movie. And like, it's simply because it looks like someone forgot to put a transition. (laughs) Yes. And it, it, it was jarring. Yeah. It was just straight up jarring. And it happened multiple times. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. While we're on technical things, this is one of my, this is my biggest technical negative of the movie, so much so that it might be one of my biggest negatives of the whole movie, is the underscoring in this movie is tragic. It is so overdramatic. It doesn't match any of the scenes. And it was distracting. Because it didn't match any of the scenes. I think the first time I noticed it was in the very beginning of the movie when Pete and his mom are having a conversation in the kitchen and she's like talking about how he works too hard or whatever. And the underscoring is just very too dramatically feel good to match that scene that seems so casual. Like it felt like it should have been the dramatic underscoring for a big dramatic moment. The other time is when he was... uh confronting the bully it was so dramatic that i thought somebody was gonna pull a knife and start a fist fight and they were really just kind of barely throwing words at each other and then during the kids scene with mickey rooney in the basement that underscoring i mean it was a beautiful monologue but the underscoring just didn't really match the vibe and then there was some bad underscoring on that scene on the roof like It was just so distracting how bad it was. There was a moment in the movie while I was watching it where I was like, do they they ever have moments where they're just talking and there's no underscoring? There was and one because I noticed it. and I, But I noticed it because in the previous scene, the underscoring was so loud and distracting. And then the next scene, there was nothing. And I was like, can we have more nothing, please? Right. And I was like, the underscoring is supposed to like help boost the mood and like, you know, it it helps the ambiance of the scene, but it's overpowering to the point where I'm having a hard time hearing what the actual dialogue is over the music. Yeah. You're never supposed to be aware of the underscoring. Yeah. And I was genuinely so aware of it the entire movie. And the underscoring, if you listen to it, which you can't help but listen to it because it's so prevalent, it's kind of chaotic. There's no like similar theme in the music that like makes it all band together and feel like a scoring of a film. Yeah. It's all over the place. It it has like romantic kind of music and then it has heartwarming and then it has this weird kind of quirky bubbly kind of sounding music in random points and it just didn't make sense it didn't flow at all it felt like they hired a different composer for every scene of the movie yeah (laughs) yeah it was nuts speaking of romantic um anything in this movie um Pete's romantic subplot didn't we didn't need that That we didn't I wrote that down too or they could have yeah, put her that, into the movie more. I was kind of wanting this girl when they uh, when they introduced her. I thought she was going to be a bigger part of the movie. And then there was a certain part where she disappears for like half an hour, and then suddenly she's with them again. And I was like, why? Why is this girl and her friend here? Take them out. Yeah, exactly. And there was there was a moment where he first like sees the girl, and he was like, oh, this premiere has to be perfect and he sees the girl and he's like for her like something like that and I was like you're the assistant manager like you should want this to be perfect because it's your job like yeah like this is riding on you yeah speaking on the girls that we didn't need 
I do appreciate <laughs> the casting of them in that they looked like real high school girls and not like crazy models that are supposed to be teenagers. Like they looked very accurate and I appreciated that. I completely agree. I think the casting in this movie looks wise was very nice because everyone did look the age they were supposed to be. They looked like just normal teenagers, which you don't see nowadays because it's, you know, 27 year olds playing 15 year olds. Yeah. And they're all so attractive. (laughs) Yeah. Which I feel like Disney Channel movies don't do that as much as like uh, adult teen shows. But even in like the later Disney Channel movies, everyone is drop dead gorgeous. Even if they mm-hmm. are like 17 playing the role, they look flawless. And I liked that these girls looked like me. Yeah. Same. <laughs> I mean, I resonated that, with that. That little like braid in her hair. I, yeah. I would have done that. <laughs> I, I, I did that the other like day. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Just a good everyday kind of girl. Oh, uh, this is a quick one that I didn't like. Pete's reaction when they finally see the Phantom was so funny. <laughs> you remember? He was I like, do. he saw the Phantom and he was like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the surfer dude, like looking at a yeah. big wave, just like, whoa, dude. <laughs> like, I was like, you should be more scared that there is a hooded villain in your movie theaters. Like, I would be like, he has a gun. (laughs) I would be so scared. But also, like, the mask that the Phantom was wearing. What? Mm. Like, help? I... (laughs) (laughs) Like, was it terrifying? Yes. But was it terrifying for the right reasons? I don't think so. No. Um, (laughs) but it was a choice, to say the least. Yeah. The mom in this movie i didn't love the mom in this movie i didn't think that she i think it was a combination of i don't think they wrote her well and i don't think that she acted it well and that could be because the material they gave her was not good but the scene with her and her boyfriend first of all i don't think we needed the mom and her boyfriend's storyline at all But the scene where they're in the car and they're talking about flowers and uprooting flowers made me want to vomit. The, like, horticulture metaphor that they decided to just throw in there for no reason. Yeah. And he was like, I just don't think I can marry you because I don't want to uproot these flowers. And I was like, I would have broken up with him instantly. You're a 45-year-old man saying that you have commitment issues through flowers <laughs> i yeah it was not needed in the slightest um and it was not the best written <laughs> i i can agree with that um and that brings me to my like one of my final points is the proposal at the end <clears throat> why <laughs> i out loud that I I've the minute I sensed that it was coming, I watched this movie alone out loud. I said, Oh my god, <laughs> <laughs> I was furious! <laughs> furious! I literally I wrote in my notes because at first I was like, I did not know how to feel. So in my notes, I wrote, Did I like the proposal? I don't think so. <laughs> I <laughs> hope you didn't. And then thinking back on it, I was like, what? Like, hold on. I hate the proposal. And it just like took me a minute to take it in because I didn't believe that it was happening. I think (laughs) I didn't believe that that was actually how the movie ended. Yeah. And so it took me a minute to like absorb what was going on. Yeah. Cause like what changed his mind? He he saw his future stepson leap from the balcony with a sword and jump onto a a inflatable T-Rex. And he was like, that's rad. I want him as a stepson. Let me propose. (laughs) Well, to to me, it felt very much like, oh, wow, like, good for him. But I want to be the star. So I'm going to (laughs) propose. And yeah, I, it's, I was like, it was what? very proposing at someone else's wedding energy. Yes, exactly. 
Exactly. And I was just like, this doesn't feel right at all. (laughs) No, no, no. There are very few things that make me like speak out loud how much I hate them when I'm alone. And that was, (laughs) that was one of them. (laughs) That's valid. That's valid. It was a big eye roll groan moment. And uh, while we're, this is my last one that I will speak on. And it's also at the ending. Sean's reaction. Okay, first of all, I knew that Sean was the Phantom. Yeah. Um, I probably picked up on it a little later in the movie than I should have. Just because I think for a long time in the beginning, I was expecting the Phantom to be a real ghost because I was under the impression that this was a Halloween movie. <laughs> and <laughs> so for a long time, I didn't think it was Sean because I thought it was a real ghost. And then once I figured out oh, it's not a real ghost. It's obviously Sean. So, like, I kind of called that from the beginning. It was not that hard to tell because I don't think they did a good job of, like, making us think there could have been other suspects. Yeah. You know? Also, I do want to point out, uh, when they, when Sean went missing the second time and they find him hanging on the door, that spooked me. Because for a moment, I thought he was dead. Me too. <laughs> Me too. And then the fact that he did that to himself too yeah. really got me. <laughs> I, I really was like, finally, someone's died. I've been waiting for this. <laughs> but yeah, so Sean, Sean's reaction to his boss at the end made him a lame villain. Yeah. I think that it was, oh, I was so mad because he, he looked at his boss and he was like, I only did this so that you would notice me. And I was like, what a wimp. That's so lame. He would have been such a cool villain if it had been like a screw you moment. Like, yeah. you have been awful to me for the past 20 years and you fire me like you won't promote me screw you i want to i wanted to stick it to the man kind of villain because then i could have almost gotten behind him you know right but it was so lame for him to be whiny and been like i wanted you to notice me why did they have to make sean a bootlicker i also think it would have made the moment where you see the new boss or like the new hire where he doesn't know where anything is. Like he doesn't know where the projection rooms are. And that moment where you kind of see the head of the theater roll his eyes and kind of regret his decision on hiring. Is it his nephew? I, it's his nephew or maybe his son. I, it wasn't yeah. clear to me. It was definitely um, a nepotism plot line, though. Right. But, like, if Sean had that, like, screw you moment, I also think I would be behind him. And it would make that more elevated, like, the moment where yeah. the boss regrets hiring his nephew because he's like, oh, he has no idea what's going on. And I just fired this man who knew how to run this. And that was the reason he was the villain. You know, like, I think that would have been a better ending for Sean. I also think if they had written Sean as nicer in the beginning, it would have been more of a twist because he was he was the secondary villain and the main villain. (laughs) Right. Right. And I think that's what gave it away so quickly is that there was like no real other villain, maybe other than like the head of the theater like the boss but he only comes in towards the end of the movie Mm -hmm. and so it's like i guess you could have thought it was him but really all signs pointed to sean all of them (laughs) yeah and so okay i want to bring up a way that i think i would want to change this movie and i want to see what you would think about it okay so I think that I liked the siblings a lot. However, I would have preferred this movie to not have been a sibling story and it to have been a coworker story because I wanted to see more of these really cool coworker characters that they had written. And I think it would have been a better movie if it had been focused on the co-workers and not these this random sibling 
bond. Even though I did like the siblings a lot, I just don't think it fit as well into this premise that I thought the premise was amazing. Like, I think the premise is really cool. Like a a spinoff or not a spinoff, but like an adaptation of Phantom of the Opera where it's all these co-workers. It kind of felt like they were they saw that the sibling thing worked in Halloween Town and they were like, bring it back. Three siblings solving crimes, you know? Well, here's the thing. So I completely agree. I would have loved to see it as a co-worker bond kind of thing. And I also thought the same thing. I, I was like, what is up with like Disney and siblings? Like, why, why is it always siblings? And then I thought I was like, Disney's all about family. It's all about bringing family together. And so this is kind of their MO. And although like the coworker thing would have been a lot more interesting (laughs) and more fun, I think because of all of the like stock character kind of personalities and seeing how each of them could help based on their stock character personality. I think that would have been, a lot more intriguing than just like the sibling, but knowing Disney, that's their thing. Yeah. I I see why they did it that way. But in my perfect iteration of this film, it is not made for Disney. It is an adult movie. People die. It's like scary movie. I want this movie to be like a scary movie-esque kind of horror comedy. Where yeah. it focuses all on all of these quirky co-workers. It's rated PG-13. And some people die in it in like really funny ways. Because the hijinks aren't that scary. You know, right. like there's this giant fan and the big balloons and stuff. So like people can die in funny ways. And add more mystery about it. Like maybe put some doubt on some of the coworkers have like four or five different people with motives to have done this and make Sean really nice so that you don't expect him. And also you could utilize the voiceover in that where Pete is going through the suspects. Yeah. And so you have the voiceover kind of sprinkled throughout it and that's him figuring out, okay, this person could be a suspect and why and stuff like that. So you can add more of the mystery aspect to it. Yeah. Because how funny would that be? Like a scary movie kind of comedy with a bunch of teenagers and Mickey Rooney. (laughs) Yeah. In like in a movie theater. Like that's so fun. Yeah. I just, I think that that would have worked better. I think that would have worked better than the sibling, sibling saving the day. But alas, I was two when they made this movie (laughs) and I was not there to give my input. How unfortunate. (laughs) Opportunity missed. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So let's move into fashion. I want to hear some of your thoughts on the costuming. So, I mean, it all took place in one day. They all wore kind of the same thing. So there, I didn't think there was anything like really special about most of the costuming. It's very Mm -hmm. everyday, early 2000s. Nothing really stuck out to me except for one. And it was Madison Ashley Metz outfit was fire. It was like Britney Spears. <laughs> and honestly, girls would wear it to the club now. It was like this gold mermaid scale backless tank top with tight bell bottom gold pants. And it was a look. Yes, Ma'am, I wrote that down too. I loved that dress. The front of it, the I felt like the sequin mermaid things were a little big, but that was the style. Yeah. Uh, but the I loved the back of it. it yeah, looked so cute. I'm like 98% sure I've seen someone wearing that at the club. You know, like yeah. now no. today. And, and you're right, it is very Britney. Yeah, it's coming. I think that style's like coming back around. Yeah. And so, like, when I saw that outfit, I was like, this is the best costume in the entire movie. I loved it. And she was in, like, two seconds. (laughs) Yeah. You know, you would look really cute in that. Wow, thank you. I think that you could pull that off really good. What a compliment. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, best friend. Okay. (laughs) No problem, best friend. I want to say I really liked Brian's baggy 90s clothes. Yeah. I thought they were so cute. There's something about a child that's who's in clothes four times too big 
That is really fun for me. It has a charm. <laughs> yeah. He he looked like a rectangle the whole movie, and I loved it. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> oh, also, I did you know Pete was wearing a bracelet? And I loved it. Did you notice that? Like it was not. a shot where he's reaching, he's reaching like to unplug the fan or something, and you see like a chunky silver a metal bracelet and it's like chain and it's very much like the kind of jewelry that was in for men in the 90s and mm-hmm. it's kind of gone out of fashion bring it back men don't wear cool jewelry anymore and in the 90s men did like bracelets some chain necklaces rings i'm here for it i thought the it looked kind of hot <laughs> i i honestly like i think rings are coming back for men and i love that yeah. I love that men wear rings. Yeah. Or like it makes any- you look tough. It makes you look like a mob boss. <laughs> yeah, just like I I love masculine people wearing rings. I think that is such a cool look. And yeah. honestly, like I have seen a lot of like masculine people wearing necklaces better than I can ever wear necklaces. And I yeah. don't get it, I but like I love that- it. I like the chain from the 90s. Maybe yeah. that's a little um, out of style, but I don't know. I vibe with it, especially with like the clothes that they wore then. I think maybe it's just like that jewelry that was popular then doesn't really go with the kind of fashion trends that are popular now. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. Maybe if we could blend those together somehow. I don't know. But I liked, I, I thought his bracelet was cute. I, yeah, I didn't notice his bracelet, but yeah. I do like that style. Yeah. I like that confidence. Yeah, that's the thing. If you are a guy and you're wearing like some thick chain jewelry, you look really confident. Honestly, like I I can't wear jewelry. Like I wear the same two rings every day and I can't style a necklace for my life. So when men do it, I'm like, my mind is yeah. blown. You look so good. I know I wear like the same little necklace every day. It's a bumblebee. And then um, I love me some hoop earrings, like tiny hoops. I can't pull off big hoops, but I like I like some dangly earrings, but I don't wear them a lot because, you know, I wear a lot of T-shirts and leggings. So <laughs> the, the dangly earrings don't really go with those. <laughs> yeah, I think <sighs> there were there were some really like specific fashion things in this. But not a lot of costuming, honestly. Yeah. Well, I mean, it all took place in one day and half of the cast was wearing a uniform. So. Yeah. And that uniform is quintessential movie theater. Yeah. You know what I I will say? Talking about like the movie, this isn't really about fashion, but I think if I had watched this as a kid, I would definitely have worked in a movie theater as a teenager. It made it look really cool and fun to work there and I think that had I seen this as a kid I definitely would have worked in a movie theater I agree it did even now <laughs> I was like yeah it, it kind of made me want to quit movie <laughs> it kind of made me want to quit my job and work in a movie theater <laughs> honestly same <laughs> <laughs> ah, so let's move into some fun facts yes fun facts I have none oh <laughs> no fun facts find, at all i could find nothing there are a few on imdb maybe like three but they're not interesting they're not and, and i'm not gonna bore our audience with lame fun facts we don't so, do that here at D. yeah no 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 could and i searched i looked on imdb i searched the internet i tried to find articles no fun facts at all however i did find a drinking game that someone made for this movie. Shut up. <laughs> I did. I so I this. thought that I could read the rules of this drinking game. <laughs> so if anybody, uh, so I guess, I don't know if people watch the movie before they listen to the podcast or if they listen and then watch or if they don't watch at all. But <laughs> if you haven't watched the movie yet and you want to play the drinking game, and I'm you're legal. the rules. Yes, and you're legal. 21 and up. Hmm. (laughs) So, (laughs) the rules of the drinking game. You take a drink anytime someone makes a movie reference. Scary Terry tells a scary story. 
Anytime Hillary Honey calls someone honey. Anytime question mark asks a question. Anytime Racy Lacey runs or talks fast. Anytime Movie Mason says something wise. Anytime someone can't find Sean. <laughs> when what happens on the movie screen mirrors what's happening in real life. <laughs> when the theater guests are unreasonably unruly. Uh, when someone says Phantom of the Megaplex. And when you hear the spooky laugh. And then you finish your drink at the unmasking. I feel like you would be trashed. trashed. <laughs> <laughs> Just absolutely trashed halfway yes. through this movie. <laughs> yeah, and you know what? I think that'll make that ending a little softer for you if you are trashed <laughs> by halfway through. <laughs> Imagine watching this completely trashed. I wonder how it would change the experience. <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, do you have some actor where are they nows? I sure do. So, I decided to go with the lead, Pete, the hero. Yes. And the villain, Sean. Ooh. So, Taylor Handley, who played Pete, he's appeared in many a TV show and a movie since Phantom of the Megaplex. Um, his most recent TV appearance is in Animal Kingdom, a TNT crime drama, where he plays Liam. I couldn't find any information on who Liam is. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then his most recent film appearance was as Jason in the Netflix movie Bird Box, starring Sandra Bullock and Sarah Paulson. <gasps> what? I, yeah, I have not seen Bird Box. So I have. It's good. It's actually scary. <laughs> it scared me. <laughs> he's finally in a scary movie, guys. Finally. He's been searching his whole career. <laughs> and something I, after finding this out, can picture him in. Uh, he also played a rejected contestant from a Bachelorette-style program in the State Farm commercial. And where <laughs> he's comforted by Jake from State Farm, he gets like rejected from this girl and then he's crying on the shoulder of Jake from State Farm. I know exactly what this commercial is. Maybe you, you could like find it on YouTube and we can put it on the Instagram. <laughs> yeah, it, like it popped and it was in like 2020. So it's like huh. a recent commercial. Um, but that's where I am now seeing him from. Crazy. So next we have. Rick Hutchman, who played Sean. Mm. Um, he's also had a long career in TV and film. Uh, some of the TV series, including Mad Men, Shameless, and one of his favorites that he worked on is Space Hospital. He's been on, he was on that for a while. One of his favorite movie projects he's ever worked on was the movie Deja Vu, starring Denzel Washington. Ooh. Yeah, interesting. And he now works as the search committee chair for Buzzworks Theater Company in Silver Lake, Los Angeles. And the theater is all about presenting new plays and new takes on established works. So it kind of fits. It's kind of a full circle moment for him. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, that sounds awesome. His face looks familiar, but none of the things you said, I think I would recognize him from. I mean, I he did watch Shameless, but I don't think that's where I recognize him from. He's been a lot of like, kind of one-off roles or like supporting mm. roles in a lot of different TV shows and films. So you've probably just seen him pop up. Yeah. Um, Maybe he also just has one of those faces. Right. Also true. So we're just going to go. So final thoughts. I thought this movie was very fun. It was entertaining and just kind of goofy. Was it the best? No. <laughs> Did I enjoy it? Yes. So and I and like we said, I enjoyed it in the like cheesy rom-com kind of way where you kind of go in knowing that it's not going to be an A-list, you know, movie. But it's it's just going to be a fun time. So I think I think we've watched some better films. But I would recommend yeah. watching this just for a good laugh. Yeah, I definitely think I'm going to add this to my roster of Halloween movies to watch each year. 
because I had a lot of fun watching it. Was it good? But it wasn't, it wasn't bad. And I do feel like the way you feel where I have an endearment for it in that term of like cheesy rom-coms. It definitely feels like a Disney Channel original movie. Yeah. (laughs) And like I did say, I would, I would love to remake this movie in the style that I had talked about earlier. Um, I did want a lot more of the side characters. And also technically this movie was kind of a mess with the underscoring and the editing the was all yeah the editing the sound also sounded weird i don't i don't know a whole lot about sound mixing but i don't know i we should get a sound mixer on here and <laughs> explain to me what was off because i feel like something was definitely off with the lines i don't know if it was adr or what but it was fun it's a fun movie like it's hard to be mean to this movie because it's just a fun time yeah, it's just a feel-good, like, Disney movie. Yeah. And it, you don't have to think too hard. It's something that you could fold your laundry to and have a good time. Right. You. I mean, I feel like this is a movie that you could, like, carve pumpkins to and just, like, yeah, have it definitely. on in the background. Yeah. Carve a pumpkin to this movie. That's... Yeah, you're right. Now, <laughs> I know where I'm placing this on the ranking. Do you think that this is uh, above or below Twitches in Halloween Town or in the middle? Mm. Um, I would probably say below Twitches. Without question. I'm surprised you had to think about it that hard. <laughs> well, here's the thing. I like, like we said with Halloween Town and Twitches, they're on very opposite ends of the scale. But then again, the premise was still good. It the had a was good, and I was weighing like, is this premise better than one of the others? Like, could you do more with it, or was just the way it was made like that overpowers like a lot of those technical issues? Does that overpower the technical issues that you know Twitches or Halloween Town had? You know, so I was trying to think of it. In every aspect, Halloween had no technical issues. It was that's it was true. Airtight. <laughs> that's true. Um, so it was honestly, it was really between Twitches and this. Um, I still think Halloween Town is the top, but I do think I put it below Twitches for the reason it's not very Halloween. Yeah, which I mean, this isn't a Halloween podcast we are going to be throwing other regular season disney movies against these but i would say i put it below twitches because i just don't think the script is as good as twitches was even with all the issues i had with twitches script in parts i think that this has the best premise out of them or at least my favorite premise yeah, I'll put I won't I'm not going to state it as a fact. In my opinion, I think that this has a really interesting premise compared to the other two um, where, where I think it could have been a really funny comedy. But I don't think that the execution was done as well as the yeah. others. So I, that's why I think uh, just like script wise, I'm putting it below twitches. I agree with you. And the only reason I say it's like less. Halloweeny, and that's why I'm putting it under, is because that's what it's marketed as. Yeah, and you're so, right. So going in, I'm expecting kind of a spooky Halloween movie. You get that with Twitches. You yeah. don't get that with this, and that was kind of disappointing. It's a fun, exciting, like silly movie, but I didn't get what it was marketed towards, which was yeah. Halloween. It didn't even take place at Halloween. <laughs> exactly. yeah and no you're right it is marketed as halloween because for the first half of the movie i was expecting a real ghost yeah so i think just the way it was marketed it didn't hit for lack of a better term it didn't hit the mark for the market yeah Yeah. (laughs) for sure well that was fun i did enjoy it though i liked it a lot yeah it's it's a great movie to just put on when you're trying to have like a fun fall day and i think I think it's worth the watch. For sure. Like, if you have never seen this movie before, I think you should watch it. It's a fun time. Yeah. So that's about it. Um, 
please join us back next week when we will be reviewing the first Disney Channel original movie ever, Under Wraps from 1997. I'm excited. I haven't seen this one before. Me neither. Again, another one that I haven't seen. Also, uh, for people who do like to watch the movie before you listen to the episode, the 1997 Under Wraps is not available on Disney+. Plus. However, you can rent it on iTunes, which I guess is what we're going to have to do. But hopefully enough of you have seen it and remember it. Uh, I've actually had people ask me about this one if we were going to do really. That. So, yeah, I'm excited. We were already planning on doing it. So, yeah. I'm very excited to watch this for the first time and see what the original DCOM was. Yeah, that's what I'm most excited about is like, this is what kicked it off. There would be no podcast if there wasn't for Under Wraps. This is the foundation yeah. that all of this was built on. And I'm yeah. so excited George to see where George Washington of Disney <laughs> Channel. <laughs> yes. So last week, Sabrina and I we're having trouble coming up with the name of what did we call it? The tiny jacket. Yeah. Or like the tiny sweater, <laughs> baby cardigan. Uh, yeah. We could not think of the name at all. And so we asked you all if anyone knew the name of the baby jacket, <laughs> tell us. And our friend Neely snapped us and informed us that it's called a shrug. I'm so mad. We couldn't think of the word shrug. I was furious when I got that Snapchat and she said, it's a shrug. Like shout out to Neely for like knowing what we were trying to say yeah. um, because we were calling it every different thing we could possibly think of and none of it was shrug. I, and like, I, I feel like that wasn't even the word I was looking for. So I don't know what I thought they were called, but they are called shrugs. She is completely correct. And she's a real homie for helping us out there. Yes. Thank you for deciphering our explanations and figuring out what we obviously could not. Yeah. So thank you, Neely. So, we appreciate um, you. This episode is dedicated to Neely Seams. So Megan, where can you find us online? You can find us on Instagram at Disney Channel Unoriginal Pod. Also, if you like us, please rate us five stars. It helps other people find the podcast. And you can also leave us a review and let us know what decom you want to hear about next. We release new episodes every Sunday. So come back every Sunday for more decom fun. Until next time, thanks for tuning in. I'm Megan. I'm Sabrina. And you've been listening to Decup, the Disney Channel Unoriginal Podcast. Dun, 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 dun.